he told me it was the most glorious sight people had ever seen. The deacon at Wells Cathedral in Somerset in England once explained to me that the towering facade on England's first entirely Gothic cathedral would have been the definition of jaw-dropping back when it opened around the year 1200. A Sunday morning would have included a brassy call from trumpets playing through openings in the ornate facade. I can just imagine parishioners dressing up in their finest, inspired by the brightly painted statues of the saints. Tour guides Roy Nichols and Jillian Chadwick join us now as we explore the impressive historic cathedrals that you can visit today all over England. Jillian, Roy, thanks for being here. Pleasure to be here. Do you know what I'm talking about in front of Wells Cathedral? Oh, Oh, yes, that great west front. Spectacular view. Glorious facade. Jillian, when you look at a facade like that, how can you explain the splendor of that from five or 600 years ago? I just try and make them understand how the people in those days would have lived in little one-story wooden shacks and they'd arrive and see a site like that and it was like a preview to heaven. That's, That's really what would, it was. Yes. It'd come out of your hovel and once a week you can get a little glimpse of what heaven's going to be like yes. and yeah. uh, you step through that door. Roy, what else would you add to the prep before stepping into that cathedral in Wells? Well, well really to echo what Gillian was saying, to give them a context of what it must have been like for the medieval peasant to see that for the first time. And of course, normally they wouldn't be allowed inside. Hmm. Ordinary presence, they would worship in their local churches. And also realizing that the whole facade would have been highly painted, highly decorated, as most of the church was. Mm-hmm. We think of that as Gothic as just stony white. But that's a product no. of Victorian times. It really Isn't is. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. They just wanted to whitewash it, but we need to be able to find a way to go back in time. And when you think about the centrality of the church in medieval Europe and Britain, the community was really built around it. The bell tower told the hours. It told us when to celebrate. Yeah, when to... people didn't have watches, did they? So it, no. was, it defined their day. So some cities are homes of a cathedral. In fact, that is the term of a city, right? And seat of a bishop, or it can be appointed by the monarch. For example, I live in near Brighton and Hove, mm-hmm. and they don't have a cathedral there, but they are a city because the Queen decided... In the year 2000, it could be a city. Yeah. Increasingly, a lot of larger towns are being given the status of a city um, because it allows them greater autonomy and uh, money and all sorts of things. Within the church or within the government? No, 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 within local government. So that's, it's a political definition. Yes, yeah. Mm. Social and political definition. But but I understand uh, traditionally or historically, a city is had a, to be the seat to, of a the bishop. The seat of a bishop. Mm, and the centre of a diocese. So it's a political uh, unit for the church, basically. Yes, the that's right, to administer the, the churches and the parishes in that mm, Because in that Wells, the cathedral we were just talking about, happens to be the smallest, yeah. was the smallest city in mm-hmm. England. Yeah. And it has this glorious cathedral because it was an important administrative centre of the church. And it's not yeah. alone because you've got St. David's in Wales and also Lincoln in Lincolnshire. So that's also a very small city as well. As you're traveling around in England, you will stumble upon a lot of cathedrals, whether you like it or not. They're the big building on the main square. They're free to go in generally, and they're just glorious. Mm. Uh, what are some tips for appreciating a cathedral as you're traveling? They all have resident guides, and if you really want to appreciate a cathedral, you just go with one of the resident guides in the cathedral. And they speak English. And they do. And they Proper Which I English. love about traveling in England. They speak the Queen's English. And, and they're often, generally, volunteers who do it for the, the passion, for the interest, for the love of the building. Mm. And that always comes out 
Um, I love that about English churches. You yeah. go into a cathedral and there are people with their sashes yes. or their banners or their little name tags and they are mm. docents or volunteer guides or whatever you want to call them. And for the tourist, a lot of people are shy. They don't want to be a problem. No, you're going to make their day if you just ask them questions oh. and let oh. them do their work. Yeah, You'll yeah. get a private tour. Absolutely. You'll get your own charming expert literally taking you by the arm and walking you through the whole cathedral, giving you a private tour. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the great delight. I love it. Now, in the church, there's so much to enjoy. You've got tombs that'll give you an indication of where the money came from a long time ago. Mm-hmm. In the Cotswolds, what kind of tombs would you see? The bale tombs, the woolen bale-shaped tombs from the wool merchants. Wool merchants. Yeah. And I suppose in the South Coast you'd find uh, captains, sea captains' tombs. Mm-hmm. In, in some of the churches, places like Bath, of course, they had a long connection with the Royal Navy and many of the tombs and memorials there are connected with the Royal Navy and sea captains. Now, there are some architectural terms that are just helpful to understand if you're going to really appreciate the the cathedrals. What's the basics, Roy, that you should know from an architectural point understand of view? Understand what Gothic architecture is. Mm-hmm. Understand how Gothic was used and exploited, built in, in England, um, because although you find it all across Europe, it has a different sort of process and a v- evolution in England. Understand what early English decorated and perpendicular architecture m- uh, means, mm-hmm. the periods that they cover, the developments of that architecture, because it'll give you a much greater understanding the way that these enormous buildings were built over quite large periods of time. So bone up on the basic architecture. There's Saxon, that would be the crude, Mm -hmm. simple, dark age stuff. There's the Norman, which in Europe would be called Romanesque. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll see some... Know the difference between the two. Yeah, and and then uh, within Gothic, you've got uh, the perpendicular, which would be the sort of final flowering of Gothic before, uh, what, the Renaissance would come on. And you'll see a lot of that perpendicular in... uh, in Cambridge, I think you see... And although you do see King's Romanesque Club. Norman elements in some of the churches, the vast majority were swept away, so the vast majority of English medieval cathedrals are of that Gothic period. Except for Durham. Except Durham for Cathedral Durham. is wonderful. And why was it swept away? Because it was the new, exciting, sexy architecture. Okay, so they just would purge the churches of the old decor because there's a new yeah. style. Our guests, Gillian Chadwick and Roy Nichols, are tour guides and English history experts. They're providing us with a close-up view right now on Travel with Rick Steves of the many impressive Gothic cathedrals and churches you can visit all across England. Heidi's calling from San Diego. Hi, Heidi. Thanks for the call. Hi, Rick. Thanks for taking my call. My husband and I have visited England numerous times with our children. About two years ago, we visited um, friends near Winchester, and we visited the wonderful historic cathedral there. Um, one thing I've been learning about cathedrals in England as we travel is that they aren't just houses of worship, but historic and cultural centers. And so many famous Britons are buried in the cathedrals. Jane Austen is buried at Winchester, which I didn't know before we went, so that was a fun surprise. And then along with regular worship services, the cathedrals host concerts and cultural events and activist meetings. At uh, one cathedral we visited, uh, we were looking at the bulletin board in the back, and there were all kinds of events taking place, like a handle concert and a meeting to discuss the plight of refugees. But whether it's a large, famous cathedral or a smaller village church, we always are enlightened by a visit to the local house of worship. You know, Heidi, I think that is a very good tip. And I, as you're thinking about that out loud, I, I was just remembering when I'm in a church in England, I love to take advantage of the fact that I understand the language and spend a few minutes in the lobby just reading what's going on with that community. Uh, there is refugees through housing. There's uh, the Quilters Club on Tuesday nights that says we welcome guests to help out. I mean, that's in... Uh, 
store in the world. They've got an actual quilters club that's Tuesday nights. And if you happen to be there on Tuesday, you could come in for tea and cookies and, and help out with the quilting. Uh, you've got a list of rectors or pastors that goes back 800 years mm-hmm. without a stop, and you can kind of trace that. There's so much you can read into the material there. And as you mentioned, you've got cultural events, activist meetings, and of course, even songs. Yeah. Uh, Jillian, really, to see a go to a church during an Evensong is a chance to see it in action. I think that's the best way to appreciate a church or a cathedral because yeah. you sit there in that marvellous architecture listening to the choir yeah. and it just sends shivers up your spine. And it's free. Yes, it's free. <laughs> I mean, if yes. you kind of don't want to pay $10 to see St. Paul's, you can go to the Evensong. Yeah. They scoot you out after the service so you can't sightsee after mm. the service is over. But yeah. every church in uh, Britain whether they charge or not for tourists, is free for Evensong. Yes. And it really, it's not that tough to get a spot for Evensong. Right. And a lot of times you get to sit right there in the choir, these mm-hmm. beautifully carved stalls in the very center of the church. Yeah. Roy, what's an Evensong tip that you would have? Be early. Be uh, early, yeah. Because to sit in the choir itself, certainly the more popular ones, if you go into York Minster, for instance, mm-hmm. you're not the only person that's likely to go along to Evensong, so be there sort of 15, 20 minutes before everybody else, and you will get a prime seat. So there's the, the core of the church. It's like if a church is a huge, vast, windy, stony yeah. structure, there's a cozy little beautifully carved central part where mm. they can have the intimacy, yeah. and that's where the services would be. Yes, between the nave and the high altar. Yeah. And you feel like you're going into Oz there more. I mean, it, sometimes it's not even open during the, the regular public days. And, and, and that, that sense of um, specialness really was created quite deliberately because the vast majority of people wouldn't be allowed beyond the screen that separated the right. nave from the choir. And it would only be the priest that would go into that area. Do the religious heavy lifting back there. That sort of thing. But everybody's welcome during the Evensong. Heidi, thanks for your call. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks Take for having care. me. And Dino's calling from Woodenville in Washington. Hi, Dino. What's your uh, memory of uh, touring churches in Britain? Well, uh, we had taken a, a drive around Britain, and we had stopped in York, and we were looking in the cathedral there, looking at the tombs along the aisles on the inside, and one of the volunteers came up to me and told me to look way up high towards the ceiling of the church, and there were a row of relief carvings along there uh, of all kinds of figures, but he was pointing one out, which that was kind of odd to have in a cathedral, which was a couple of monkeys that looked, they were happy, but they were rudely posed. And he got a big laugh out of it. And it was pretty odd to see it there. It was fun. But why would that be inside the cathedral? Jillian, why would there be rudely posed monkeys carved into the stones of a cathedral column? I know that there's the monkey window. I don't remember the carvings, and it's something to do with the Glaziers Guild, isn't it? And there's We're symbol. talking the York Minster? York Minster, yeah. Well, but anywhere in Gothic architecture, you'll find that the stonemasons get to have a little fun oh, here yes. and there by carving goofy things into the capitals. Uh, yeah, there's, there's the famous Lincoln Imp, carving of an imp right high up on the roof of the cathedral in the city of Lincoln. You know, it's just human beings that spend mm. their lives carrying stones and carving them for to build these churches for generations upon generation and 800 years ago, they like to vent and be characters and goofy yeah. and sometimes a little bit uh, Well, they'll even carve, you can, um, it's said that you can identify some of the clergy from the cathedral 
carved by the masons during the wintertime when they couldn't work on the main building itself. So they would spend the winter carving the figures and the bosses and all the other things. With what they really think about them, maybe, What too. they really think about them, yeah. And also, in the choir where you're supposed to be sitting, sometimes you have to be standing in the little area where you lean against, yeah, where you put your, the, where yeah. you put your, your butt. Mm. Is That's sort of less religious because you're sitting on it, and that means they have the freedom to carve and have a little bit of disrespectful or just comical or a little bit of rude art. Yeah. And you see that in the house of God. And it just gives you a little glimpse of the humanity of society mm-hmm. 800 years ago. They're not all saints. No. All right, Dino, thanks for your, your comment about the rude monkeys in York. <laughs> well, thank you for the background. Take care. It is fun when you get to go into a cathedral and you see these. And also, I think we have to remember that early churches were dealing with pre-Christian sort of um, traditions yeah, and beliefs. Yeah, and you like have to incorporate a little bit of that. So you've got some pagan creatures here yeah, and there. And that, green man, yeah. That just yeah. helps uh, mm-hmm. new Christians embrace this new religion that's been put on these people who for centuries before were worshipping in a pagan style. Yeah, I mean, that veneer of Christianity was wafer thin for hundreds of years. So we're talking about cathedrals in England. And just if you were going to think of the five or six big cathedrals to see, the cathedral cities, which one should we keep in mind? Canterbury, I think you have to start with because it's the headquarters of the church in this country. And it's a beautiful place to tour with plenty of docents and guides inside. What's another one? Salisbury. Salisbury, Salisbury, Mm -hmm. with a copy of the Magna Carta there. Exactly, and the tallest spire in England. Mm -hmm. Tallest spire in England in Salisbury. Another one? Durham. Durham, the great Norman cathedral, Mm. the best example of uh, Romanesque, I think, in Britain. And it's way up there in the north, quite striking. Yes. I love that. The location as well is stunning. I love that spot. Yeah, Yeah, built on a hilltop, almost like a fort. Yes. We've talked about York and the Minster. What does Minster mean? We hear that word Minster. It's a center of teaching, Basically, yeah. So the York Minster would be a very important church. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's four great churches. I'd say Winchester. In Winchester. Mm -hmm. And you can do those big five ones, but I really, and and Gillian and I were talking, really plumb for some of the less well-known ones. What would they be? Well, the two that I particularly love are Ely in Lincolnshire Mm -hmm. and Norwich in Norfolk. Two Hmm. beautiful cathedrals that aren't visited by many people from outside the island. That's fantastic. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking English cathedrals and churches with tour guides Jillian Chadwick and Roy Nichols. When you find a cathedral that's lit from the inside, I think Lincoln's Cathedral is that way, in Bath also. Yeah. And you go there at twilight or something, and the light is coming from inside of the church. It really is like a lantern. It really is. It's known as the Lantern of the West, the Bath Church. The Bath Church. It's actually nicknamed the Lantern. Yes. And sometimes they're like a reliquary. is a jewel box that holds something precious, Mm -hmm. right? And a cathedral itself can be designed like a reliquary. It Definitely. Like. Well, they, they were meant to act as a beacon for the faithful, to draw people to them. And so they would often build like Ely is built on a, a mound in a very, very flat, what is mm-hmm. generally a flat countryside, so people can see it from miles away. And in medieval times, you would have seen York Minster from miles and miles away. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And then the bells were important too, back when there was no formal timekeeping. Yeah. The the monks would keep the time and they'd ring the bells. At York Minster, you can actually, I've seen the bell ringer go in there and the bells are so big that he gets that bell going and he actually hangs under the rope. He does this to entertain the tourist, I yeah. think. And the bell lifts him six mm. or seven feet into the, into the air <laughs> as he's ringing those bells and they're just peeling all around you. I like that moment in, in some towns where the bells start to ring and you yeah. realize... They've been ringing for centuries. Yeah. With my little village in Dorset, Thursday night is bell-bringing practice night. 
And so they start at seven o'clock and they practice for an hour and a half or something like that. And throughout the year, they practice. And this is not a bell choir. It's actually ringing the various yeah. bells to do mm. a tune. People are often surprised. They think that it's actually a recording. And then you say, no, these are really people ringing these bells. And they're pulling different bells yeah. for different tunes. Yeah, and they're absolutely stunned that we still do that. And they're all drawn from the local area, from the village itself. And there's a bell captain. Um, and depending on the peal of bells that they have, there'll be a, a variety of numbers and they'll ring special bells, the trebles and all of those. So it's, it's good it's, exercise as well. Oh, yeah. Mm, it's hard it's work. Quite a science, quite a science. So there's plenty of ways for a traveller to experience these cathedrals along with worshipping on Sunday. You go to an even song almost any, any day of the week, but be careful that the even song is sung rather than said. Yeah. Mm. Also, we've been talking about the great churches. What's a particularly um, delightful little church? that you've encountered in your travels? There are so many of them Uh, all over the country, and it's one of my favourite things about England. Every little village has got a church that's probably been there for 900 years. You know the one in the Cotswolds in Stanway where the shepherds have wound the chains around the backs of the seats. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and you can see the chain marks in the from wood. From the shepherd's dog. From the shepherd's yeah. dog, Actually yeah. wearing a groove yep. in the little uh, wooden uh, pinnacle of the chair there. Yeah. And you think, 600 years ago, a shepherd came here every Sunday with his yeah. dog. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. There's, really a, there's a wonderful book by Simon Jenkins called The thousand best English churches. And as Gillian pointed out, there are thousands of them. Thousand best. Yeah. Not one or ten right. or a hundred. Thousand, thousand best that churches. That are exceptionally yeah. beautiful English, churches. English churches. Of all of those, what, what little one would you would you? Well, enjoy? I live down in Dorset and I'm going to plumb for the beautiful church in Beer Regis, a village not too far from Dorchester, which has got the most beautifully carved wooden ceiling. One of the sons of the village was John Morton, who was Chancellor to uh, Henry VII. Ah. And he endowed the church at his death. And they've got this most beautifully carved wooden ceiling with these incredibly painted angels that look so lifelike as if they're going to take wing at any moment. And have survived for generations. Have survived for 500 years. 500 years. And you can step in there and enjoy yeah. it without a guard. Yeah, it's there. and it's frequently just... that little church, there's nobody there. It's a beautiful thing. Mm. Gillian Chadwick, Roy Nichols. Thank you so much for giving us a tour of another of the many wonderful dimensions of England. Thank Thank you. you. Each year, Rick Steves Tour Guides take thousands of free-spirited travelers on escorted tours through Europe, one small group at a time. This year, you can choose from more than 40 different vacations in Europe's best destinations, from Ireland to Greece, and practically everywhere in between. Begin your next trip at ricksteves.com.